Hi, and welcome to the Book of Medora, the podcast where we explain Zelda lore. I'm Crystal, and with me today is Cam. Hi, everybody. Today we're going to talk about the third Zelda game, The Legend of Zelda Triforce of the Gods, or as it was localized in North America, The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past. What is this game all about, Cam? Oh, man. This game is sort of about introducing the larger set of dichotomies that further divides the overworld uh, theme that would come into play in later games in the series. Lore-wise, there's actually a fair amount going on, but mechanically, you could probably say that it's about taking the divide between the underworld and the overworld and then splitting the overworld in half or doubling it by having a light world and a dark world, one in which everything is nominally okay and the other in which shit is really bad and everything belongs to Ganon. Now, there is something we should talk about first. Yeah. It is the official art uh, showing Link praying to Jesus Christ okay. with the statue of Mary. Yep. What What is that all about? Okay, now, what I have here in my hand is The Legend of Zelda Art and Artifacts, published by Dark Horse Comics. And in the back of it, there is an interview with several artist-type persons from throughout Zelda history. I've been thinking about this ever since you brought it up, because the idea of Christianity existing in this world where nature gods run around and the divine force is just laying around for people to pick up and there's all kinds of heathenistic shit going on constantly, is so funny that I almost don't want to get in on the joke, but there's that horrible nerd-ass part of me that goes, no, that's not, no, don't let it go that way. You should play Lords of Shadow, because that's what that game is. I love Lords of Shadow so much. Oh, man, I, there's nothing that I like better than taking Gabriel Belmont running across the heathen lands and basically killing all of the old gods in this horrible bloodbath that makes the world worse as he spreads the influence of the Christian God. So good. Oh, man. Okay, let's see if I can find this thing here. Because they do talk about the particular artwork from Link to the Past. Okay, there's a particular question that comes up in the interview at the back of Art and Artifacts that sheds a little bit of light on the practice of illustrations as they related to older Zelda titles and the way that these illustrations do or do not relate to the content of the games themselves. Now, I'm going to paraphrase here, but this interview is very much worth reading if you have the book. And if you don't have the book, it's also worth picking up if you're a fan of Zelda art, because it actually has a lot of concept art in it, which isn't something that you see very often for Zelda illustrations. One of the things that's asked here is who's behind the original picture that was used for the first Legend of Zelda, the one in which Link is sort of kneeling and looking off at the mm -hmm. twin peaks of uh, on top of Death Mountain. And one of the artists, Nakano, replies that it dates from before he was with the company, but nobody actually knows who's behind that picture. It was the standard at the time during the NES and SNES eras to outsource illustrations for the games themselves. Basically, what this resulted in was a rough outline of what the picture should be being given to an artist, 
usually from an illustration company that might do illustration work for manga or whatever. And they would send back the art, and that's what they would end up using. And it's mentioned particularly in the Link to the Past section of the interview that most of the official art for Link to the Past was procured the same way, including the really iconic piece of art where we see the Master Sword resting in the Lost Woods. Nobody knows who made that. Similarly, I think that that's probably what happened with this particular image of Link praying in a church. I don't know how Sanctuary reads in the original Japanese, but I think that that scene is meant to depict Link in the Sanctuary where he escapes Hyrule Castle with Zelda. So is this being sent off to a Japanese illustration company? I can only imagine so, yes. So why would they interpret it through a Christian lens? Well, I don't know, to be honest. Could it be because they were instructed to? That's very possible. I don't have any way to refute that. But it's also kind of inconsistent with the environment as it's presented in the game. And my first rule for any of this stuff is if the art runs counter to what you actually see when the software is running, it doesn't really count. Well, they didn't have, like, a pixelated Jesus hanging on the wall in the sanctuary, but it is otherwise modeled on a church. Yes, it is very much modeled on a church, in much the same way that Hyrule itself is sort of modeled on medieval Europe in a very loose sense. In the original translation, Aganem is not referred to as a wizard, but as a priest. Priest can mean a lot of different things. He's You could argue that he's a priest of Ganon regardless, but I can't help looking at this picture and going, well, thinking that it's interesting, but it can't really be taken as an indicator of the canonicity of real-world religions in the Legend of Zelda series, and I can't believe I'm having this conversation. I have to call my mother later and tell her that I'm winning. I'm, I just think there are enough little bits that you can make a reasonable conclusion that Link was intended to be Christian. Uh, well, he's definitely—if you think that's the case, and I'm not going to argue you down on the point, though I— think it's pretty obvious that I hold the opposite there. If you think that's the case, he runs into a lot of things in this game in particular that would challenge his faith. Like what? Like the engine of creation in the palm of his hands. Well, how does that contradict anything in the Bible? The existence of the Triforce? Um... I mean, look, this, I mean, look, yes, it's going to be a fictionalized version of Christianity, just as in Lords of Shadow, you know, Gabriel Belmont runs into the pagan god Pan, but he still serves Yahweh. I thought Lords of Shadow was a deeply Catholic sort of story, but you're not wrong there. Um, and the thing is, I guess you could say that you think that Link practices a very heretical form of Christianity, he's almost closer to Gnosticism, in a sense, in that other gods plainly exist in Hyrule, where one of the core tenets of canon Christianity is that there aren't any. But anyone who holds the Triforce is effectively the Demiurge, able to recreate the universe as they see fit, and that's not a small thing. No, that's not a small thing, I suppose. And I think we've been talking about that Christianity image for 10 minutes. I've been arguing about whether or not Link from The Legend of Zelda worships the Lord Jesus for 10 minutes. 
Well, okay. Uh, we've settled that. He does. No! So let's move on. God damn it. Uh, let's move on to the actual story in this game, which in fact begins with a creation myth. And this is from the manual. We're going to use the NOA translation, but we're also going to reference the alternate translation on ZeldaLegend.net and point out any differences where they may be pertinent. To set the stage for this adventure of the legendary hero of Hyrule, it will be informative to delve into the Triforce myth, an ancient epic about the creation of the world that is still believed in the land of Hyrule. Every culture has such myths and theories about the creation of their worlds. They can be beneficial and entertaining to examine them in detail, for they often affect the present-day social structure. The legends say the mythical gods of Hyrule had as their chosen people the Hylia. These ancient people left scrolls that are the primary source of the legends. So, you can see here in the NOA translation that they're kind of looking back on this from an outside perspective. One could even say, like, a Christian perspective looking upon pagan myths, where the narrator doesn't necessarily believe it, but they're like, hey, this is interesting, let's take a look at it from a sociological perspective. In that sense, though, it seems like the framing is us looking back at the ancient past that is linked to the past. Right, because it is a prequel to The Legend of Zelda. I wouldn't argue that this is a necessarily Christian framing. According to the Hylian Scrolls, the mythical gods descended from a distant nebula to the world that was and created order and life. The god of power dyed the mountains red with fire and created land. The god of wisdom created science and wizardry and brought order to nature. And the god of courage... Through justice and vigor created life, the animals that crawl the land, and the birds that soar in the sky. After the gods had finished their work, they left the world, but not before creating a symbol of their strength, a golden triangle known as the Triforce. A small but powerful portion of the essence of the gods was held in this mighty artifact, which was to guide the intelligent life on the world of Hyrule. So the gods here are not named, nor are they identified as feminine in any way as they would be in later games. Yes, that's very true, though it is worth noting that the larger strokes of the way that this myth works here is basically repeated in totality in Ocarina of Time. Right. There's also an image that portrays the gods breathing life into the world, and they, there they are drawn as women. Long-haired, at least. Yes. But uh, I like the way that it's portrayed here, uh, just the three gods breathing together. And it's always been a trinity of gods ever since the gods were established. That paragraph in the manual is basically the moment that the story of The Legend of Zelda shifts in its scale from being about a kid running around kicking the daylights out of demons to being this story that sort of intersects with divinity at a lot of places. Right, this is the first time we actually know where the Triforce came from. Before you might have thought, oh, was it like created by the royal family or something? No, it was created by the gods at the beginning of the world. Yeah, it was just like this, I hate to use the word MacGuffin, but in the original games it very nearly was just a MacGuffin with no clear indication of what it actually does. But here, even just in the beginning, we do get some indication, oh, this is a big deal. Also, it says the gods came from a distant nebula? Yeah, what the hell? What does that say? That's not in the Japanese, but... What does the Japanese say on this? Uh, it just says they came from the chaos before existence. Oh, okay. That's much more reasonable. But in America, they're aliens. Oh, well, I mean, like, the universe is a vast place. 
I mean, in Ocarina, they are kind of portrayed as coming from space and then flying back to space. Uh, that's just according to understandings of how these things work for people who don't understand what the hell the sky is. But then cosmology in The Legend of Zelda may also be very different from cosmology that we have here. The stars may not be distant suns. Well, what would they be? I have no idea. Holes to oblivion? Maybe. Anyway, you you take the next line. Although it was an inanimate object, Ooh. the Triforce had the power to bestow three titles, which gave the person who received them great powers. The Forger of Strength, the Keeper of Knowledge, and the Juror of Courage. From its hiding place in the so-called Golden Land, where the gods placed it, the Triforce beckoned people from the outside world to seek it, in the hope that someone worthy of these titles would find it. Uh, these titles don't show up anywhere else. Ever. Yeah, not even in the game. Yeah, that's interesting, too, because if I'm reading the translation right over here, um, it's not titles bequeathed upon the person that holds them. It could also be read as titles of each individual piece of the Triforce. Yes, it could. Now, something interesting here is that the NOA translation says that the Triforce is an inanimate object, which is one of the first cases in which we know definitively that the lore passed down in Hyrule is wrong. In fact, the title screen of this very game proves it wrong. When the Triforce talks to you and is like, hey, good job. It's, it's, it's a lot going on there. The Oh, I see. You're saying that it's not inanimate because it moves around. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I meant because it talks to you and clearly has sapience. Yeah, it does have some intelligence as portrayed in this game. Yeah, it's, so I, I think that that's interesting that it was established very early on in the series that the lore that's passed around in the games isn't necessarily reliable. And that's one of my favorite things for a fantasy setting because in so many of them, every legend is absolutely true unless it's used as a plot twist. I mean, yeah, the way they frame this legend in the very beginning gives room for the narrator to be wrong because they're just passing down stuff they heard from other people. Yeah. They're not omniscient. Yeah. Which is good. I like that. So, with their magic-infused blood, the Hylian people were endowed with psychic powers and skill in wizardry. I guess that's accurate. Mm. It was also said that their long, pointed ears enabled them to hear special messages from the gods. They were held in high esteem by many people in Hyrule. So let's talk about this. It says the Hylians were held in high esteem by many people in Hyrule. Yep. Implying there are non-Hylians living there also. Yeah, that definitely does seem to be true. Um, I think that it's meant to contrast Hylians with other ethnicities of humans. That they are just a specific ethnicity descended from a certain place it's mm, it's one element we of don't really oh, go, sorry, ahead. go on go, no you go ahead we don't really see other types of humans in this game or really until i think twilight princess is the first place you have round-eared humans is it i thought there might have been a couple in ocarina uh, maybe hold on well the kokiri don't count as wait they're basically human Oh, some think that the humans in Twilight Princess are descendants of the Kokiri. I don't want... No, 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 no. Damn these people. No, I, I don't think anyone in Ocarina is around the ears. Huh. Huh. Okay. Uh, all right. Yeah, that makes sense. So, their descendants settled in various parts of the world and passed on their knowledge and magical lore to all people. But in its passing, the lore was often distorted or lost altogether. 
there's this undercurrent whereby you can inherit divine grace that really rankles me a bit with all of the earlier setups for this series. It's like, oh, the Hylians are so special and everybody respects them because they're descended from the gods or whatever the fuck. Oh, I don't like that stuff. I don't like it. Why not? The idea that you should be born into grace runs very counter to my understanding of it. But that's... All fantasy does that because they have to try to justify monarchy. It's shitty. And at least with, like... The Legend of Zelda in later entries goes a little bit past trying to say that, oh, you're of grace because of the circumstances of your birth. At least in, like, Breath of the Wild... Zelda plainly doesn't have grace just because of her birth. She has to fucking work for it. And it's a burden that's placed upon her instead of just a blessing from the gods. So it's I, I can swallow that a little bit better at least. But this idea that these people are good and wise and kind just because of how they were born, that's all bullshit and I don't like it. But could Zelda have even earned that if she was not also of royal blood? I have no idea. It's very possible not. I think that probably the more important aspect of as not just whether or not she has royal blood, but the circumstances of her life, that she is able to go around and pray at each of the major places of power of the gods in Hyrule, that she is able to devote her life to these things, that she is able to know Link and to be in the house where the Triforce is passed down from mother to daughter. Those things, I think, are a result of how she was born but right. not a result just of her blood. Could you imagine if, like, Tetra in Wind Waker was not Zelda by birth, but, like, earned the mantle of Zelda through her actions? Like, we sort of imagine a lot of things are trying to earn the mantle of Ganon, or the hero. Yeah, that, yeah. that'd be sick. That would have been so sick. So let's see, where were I will we? continue at the gates to the Golden Land. Okay. In Hyrule... There are many Hylian buildings which are mentioned repeatedly in the legends. These buildings, which now lie in ruin, pale shadows of their former splendor, are closely tied to the Triforce. Some were said to house the Triforce itself. If it were only a symbol of the gods, the Triforce would be coveted by many. But a verse from the Book of Medora, that's the name of the show, yeah. made the Triforce even more desirable. In a realm beyond sight, the sky shines gold, not blue. There, the Triforce's might makes mortal dreams come true. Let's let's talk about that part where talk about many highland buildings which now lie in ruin. So even though this game is a prequel to the original Legend of Zelda, they're establishing here that this is still very, very late in the timeline. There have been so much history that has passed to get to this point even. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing because Adventure of Link also dealt a lot with antiquity in a way that the original game didn't. But Link to the Past really goes all in on the idea of layered antiquity where it seems plain in some ways that this game takes place roughly during the time of legend as portrayed in Adventure of Link, but it goes so much further back. And those buildings, which I think are most likely just the dungeons that you go through in uh, the light world, that their age alone can imply that they once housed the Triforce, that's pretty cool. So, many aggressively search for the wish-granting Triforce, 
But no one, not even the Hylian sages, were sure of its location. The knowledge had been lost over time. Some said the Triforce lay under the desert. Others say it was in a cemetery in the shadow of Death Mountain, but no one ever found it. That yearning for the Triforce soon turned to a lust for power, which in turn led to the spilling of blood. Soon the only motive left among those searching for the Triforce was pure greed. One day, quite by accident, a gate to the golden land of the Triforce was opened by a gang of thieves skilled in the black arts. Now this is a bit interesting. I mean, I guess if this is referring to the events of Ocarina, that could be the Gerudo, but it also kind of sounds like the Dark Usurpers from Twilight Princess. It does. This is a motif that they would end up returning to quite a few times over the series. Just to mess with us in terms of what the imprisoning war might be. Oh god, I remember so many timeline arguments from 15 or 17 years ago related to whether or not Ocarina of Time could possibly be portraying the imprisoning war. And a big part of the argument against the idea... I'd never read this manual back then. I only read it for the first time about a week ago. But I remember that so many arguments against the idea of Ocarina of Time portraying the imprisoning war are because of a little tidbit that's dropped a little bit further down in this manual. And uh, just to be clear, if it seems like I'm stopping in weird places, I'm reading a PDF of the manual itself and then flipping back to Zelda Legends to compare the translations. The one part they did get right is that the Golden Land, the Sacred Realm, was opened by accident. Link did not mean to. Yeah. It's very So when they opened it, this land was like no other. In the gathering twilight, uh-huh. the Triforce shone from its resting place high above the world. In a long-running battle, the leader of the thieves fought his way past his followers in the lust for the golden power. Now, this actually really does sound like that cutscene in Twilight Princess. It does. I think they might have conflated the two legends. After vanquishing his own followers, the leader stood triumphant over the Triforce and grasped it with his blood-stained hands. He heard a whispered voice. If thou has a strong desire or dream, wish for it. And in reply, the roaring laughter of the brigand leader echoed across time and space, and even reached the far-off land of Hyrule. The name of this king of thieves is Ganondorf Dragmire, and he is known by his alias Mandrag Ganon, which means Ganon of the Enchanted Thieves. I like how Ganon has 15 different names. Yeah, that's that's really something. Um, that is probably the part about this backstory that I like the least, because I think that Ganondorf as a name alone is a lot cooler than Ganondorf Dragmire, and I think that Ganon by itself, two syllables, is a badass name, and you don't need to add anything onto that. And I'm looking at the translation notes, and that just, they, they plain weren't in the original. Mandrag Ganon and Dragmire? They were not in I there? Yes, they weren't. I'm seeing here, uh, translation notes says, oh, he's just listed as Ganondorf, and his common name was Ganon. I kind of like that his full name is Mandrag Ganondorf Dragmire. Why? I don't know. Why do you want him to have this long, stupid fantasy name? He's a king. No, he's just a thief in this story. No, he's the king of evil. Yeah, but in this story, he's just a thief. He's just a badass brigand who led a band of bandits and betrayed them and is a real butthole. There is one really cool thing about this, though, in that this story shifts 
from this idea of Ganon as he was presented in the NES games. Because in the NES games, he was like this big demon guy, and you didn't really know what his deal was. But here, you learn that he is old, and he is mean as hell, and him showing up has been bad news for a long time. Yeah, it really makes him into a lot bigger deal than he seemed to be in the first game. Yeah, in the first game, he got beaten up by a level 1 Link who hadn't even bothered gathering up enough P-points to get to the next stage. In this game, he has the whole Triforce. He has the entire Triforce. That's very different. Which Link would win in a fight since this Link beat a Ganon with the whole Triforce? Oh, I... Mm, okay. This is also a very old argument that I used to have a lot more often than I want to admit, but... Well, first you have to establish which are the different links, yeah. which is a whole argument in itself. How about, uh, we can save a special ar- element of the podcast for that, where we outline the whole timeline and which link is in which game and how many links there are. Or something. God, I don't know. Well, since the Oracle's placement is apparently in question, that complicates things. Well, we'll have to establish it for ourselves, where the source material does not provide enough, we will have to bridge the gap. Okay. <laughs> the Imprisoning War. I do not know what Ganon wished for from the Triforce. The fact that this is being written from the first person is very interesting to me. However, in time, evil power began to flow from the Golden Land, and greedy men were drawn there to become members of Ganon's army. Black clouds permanently darkened the sky and many disasters beset Hyrule. The Lord of Hyrule sent for the seven wise men and the knights of Hyrule and ordered them to seal the entrance to the Golden Land. The way that these motifs would end up being returned to is also very interesting to me, and that we know for a fact that they would go back to the idea of the sages over and over. Do you prefer wise men or sages? Sages, definitely. Yeah, 100%. And... They would keep going back to this over and over and play with the idea of sages in different ways. But this is another element by which the older games were so much more masculine coded in terms of how their lore worked. Yep. And that only gets worse the further we get into this particular backstory, and it doesn't stop through the whole game. It gets crazy. The Triforce, being an inanimate object, cannot judge between good and evil. Therefore, it could not know that Ganon's wishes were evil. It merely granted them. Does that, is that what the original version of it says? The original version says it, the Triforce cannot judge good and evil because only gods can judge good and evil. Whoa. Whoa. Okay. That, Which is not true? That's very different and also really weird. I feel like the biases of this author are really coming through in the text. Oh, does that really make it that different? A little bit. The difference between an inanimate object, which Triforce plainly isn't, versus the Triforce doesn't judge between good and evil because only the gods can. And those are both bullshit. But they're bullshit in different ways. Fair enough. (laughs) Suspecting that Ganon's power was based on the Triforce's magic, the people of Hyrule forged a sword resistant to magic, which could repulse even powers granted by the Triforce. This mighty weapon became known as the Blade of Evil's Bane, or the Master. None none of this is right at all. Yeah, maybe at the time. At the time it sounds right, but this also makes it seem like the Master Sword was supposed to read very differently from the Magic Sword in the first game. Or at least, like it was originally intended that way, because the Master Sword is presented in a way that's much more special than 
pretty much any other element in the series so far. The only reason they say at the end of this game that the Master Sword rested in the Forest Forever is to have a reason why it didn't show up in the first two games. Yeah. Then even that is thrown off by Link Between Worlds, where it shows up. Yeah, I'm... It's a, the series plays fast and loose with its own canon, which I think generally it's to its benefit because they can discard the stupid parts the further in they go. <clears throat> Let's see. This mighty weapon became known as the Blade of Evil's Bane, or the Master Sword. It was so powerful that only one who was pure of heart and strong of body could wield it. As the seven wise men searched for a valiant person to take up the Master Sword, Ganon's evil army swarmed from the tainted Golden Land into Hyrule, and attacked the castle. The wise men and the knights of Hyrule combined forces to wage war on this evil horde. I do like the idea that the Master Sword was forged specifically to fight somebody who's wielding the entire Triforce, because they write in this answer like, how are you going to fight somebody who can remake the universe? It's like, well, we got a sword that's made specifically for that. Uh, interesting part to me is they refer to the Golden Land as tainted. Yeah. Now, Cameron, do you subscribe to the idea that the Dark World is the Tainted Sacred Realm? I didn't realize there were other interpretations. I remember there being some measure of controversy about that. When was this? Oh, back in the day when there were timeline arguments. Oh, that's so back. pre-2011. Okay, so back when everyone, it was the Wild West of canonicity, when nobody could agree on anything. Ah. Uh. Those were the days. Yeah, I, I'm glad I, to see that it's obvious to you too. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I absolutely subscribe to that idea. I mean, I, I didn't realize if you go by even just the broad strokes of this backstory, Ganon ends up sealed in place in the Golden Realm, and I'm pretty sure that one of the trees you talk to in the Dark World talks about how it used to be the Golden Land. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that. Well, that's a Weed Lord Vegeta. Oh, is that what? No, I'm not going to argue with the Weed Lord. I I don't think Dan actually. I don't know Dan's opinion, but I was just using it as a stand-in for Zelda formers. Oh, okay. Well, Zelda former mm-hmm. Zelda formers are generally speaking a very disagreeable breed. <clears throat> but it, it 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 it's interesting the way that this particular interpretation of it is changed a little bit by Ocarina of Time later on, because when. At, you, you read the next paragraph, and then we can talk about it. The wise men and the knights of Hyrule combined forces to wage war on this evil horde. The knights took the full brunt of the fierce attack, and although they fought courageously, many a brave soul was lost that day. However, their lives were not lost in vain, for they bought precious time for the seven wise men to magically seal Ganon in the Golden Land. All of Hyrule rejoiced at the victory that upheld peace and order over Ganon's evil and chaos. This war, which had claimed many lives, became known as the Imprisoning War in stories told in later centuries. You'll take note that the Master Sword is never used in this story. Probably because the guy who was using it died. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's definitely the later interpretation that we have to bring into it. But I think that it's interesting here, just taking this game as a thing on its own, just one single piece, that the Master Sword has never been used against Ganon, and that probably explains why he could not be properly defeated. But, yeah, why he could only be sealed. Yeah. The... Though that brings up a lot of interesting questions later in the series. But yeah, it, it's also interesting the way this relates to Ocarina of Time, because something very much like this story must have happened 
after Link dies in Ocarina of Time. Yeah, that's that's what they came up with in Hyrule Historia. That is probably the best bullshit answer they could have possibly come up with to link all this stuff together. Yeah, before that, there was a lot of argument over the fact that Ocarina is, like, obviously meant to be what they're talking about here. Yeah. Obviously, like, no question, like, come on. But also the details don't really match up at all. Yeah, and now it's like, oh, well, you know, the story just got messed up because Link died. And then nobody really knew who he was at the time. And everything went bad. I'm like, yeah, that's good. I like that. That's good stuff. <clears throat> so, after all that, many centuries have passed since the Imprisoning War. The land of Hyrule healed its wounds, and the people lived in peace for a long time. Memories of the vicious Imprisoning War faded over the generations. So it is no surprise that no one was prepared for the new disasters that have recently struck Hyrule. Pestilence and droughts uncontrollable even by magic, ravaged the land. The king of Hyrule, after counsel with the sages, ordered an investigation of the imprisoned Dark World, as the Golden Land had come to be known. It says it right here. Yeah, it does, yeah. Why were there arguments? What were these arguments about? Like, were these pe- Where did you argue with these people? Zelda Universe. Oh, my sweet Jesus. Okay, say no more. But the wise men's seal was apparently intact. He offered rewards for anyone who could find the source of these troubles. In answer to these summons, a stranger named Aghanim came and quelled the disasters with the previously unseen form of magic. As a reward, the king gave him new position as chief advisor and heir to the seven wise men. The masses proclaimed them their hero. Peace had returned to Hyrule, or had it? <laughs> he's he's such a nothing character in the game itself, but I love Aghanim as a character. He's so cool and stupid, and I just love that he's played so straight as the evil wizard that p- betrays the king. You mentioned before how Ganon was not able to be properly defeated, but it seems like the seal is pretty good. Yeah, it lasted hundreds of years, which is better than the Wind Waker seal. Yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, hmm. You know, come to think of it, Ganon, Ganondorf in Wind Waker is basically operating on Aghanim rules until Link breaks the seal. Huh. Uh, the way they use ghosts in Wind Waker kind of doesn't make any sense, but it also works in a myth sort of way. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. Well, we, we could talk about that. That game had straight up rebirth in it, I think. But we 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 can talk about that when we get to it. I I, I just like the idea that. The king counsels sages. Now, plainly, this game doesn't mean sages in the same way that later games in the series do, because it uses the terminology wise men to refer to those who sealed Ganon away. But I just think that's an interesting word choice, that the king had to go off and talk to these really smart guys who had no idea what was happening, and then the wizard shows up, and the wizard's like, I will solve your problem, and then he solves the problem. Well, in later games, the sages were portrayed as... Not people who would, like, study or anything to be sages. They were just born into it, chosen by the gods? It's Maybe? It's or something. just aggressively unclear how being a sage works. In Ocarina of Time, I think the sages were literally reborn, reincarnated, based on some kind of power that was given to them in the past. But it's definitely something you're born with. And even that's a little bit different from how it works in this game, which is uh, sort of important to how the first 
the second set of dungeons plays out in the dark world with is this the first game where blood itself is the conduit of magical power yeah it might be I mean, we get the thing with Ganon being resurrected with Link's blood, but I think this is the first time that magic is straight up inherited. I'll read that last bit. <clears throat> of late, rumors have traveled their whispering path with alarming frequency. Rumors saying Aganim now rules the country with his magic. Rumors of strange magical experiments in the castle tower at night. The people of Hyrule were gripped by dread. Should we go through the prologue here? Sure, why not? Because, I mean, it's just opening moments ago. Okay. One night, a girl's voice awakens you from your sleep. You, the player. Help me. My name is Zelda. I am in the castle dungeon. She telepathically pleads. I'm curious. So, do you think this is, like, just a radio broadcast she sent out to whoever would listen? Or is she targeting Link? I, honestly, I'm not really sure. I would think that she's sending out the call to anyone which is why your uncle gets up and heads out but yeah that makes sense but it also brings up questions about why things turned out the way they did later on with other people like in kakariko village not hearing it but then that could just be because link lives really near to hyrule castle or you know he and his uncle are descendants attuned of the to the hero's spirit or whatever. Yeah, the in this game, let's get real. It's because they're descended from the blood of the knights of Hyrule. I thought they all died. Well, that's I don't know. Not all of them. Many a brave soul, but not all of them. We never really see a knights of Hyrule anywhere except for Hyrule warriors, I guess. Right? Um, you could make an argument that. The hero of time, after returning from Termina, becomes a knight of Hyrule. And that this idea of passing down your strength to your forebears is played out in how he passes down uh, his sword techniques to his descendant in Twilight Princess. Well, yeah, the Link is often associated with the knights, and they're often in the backstory as you know, these badass guys, but you don't really see them in action ever. Yeah, we we never see, like, the full regalia of these bad sons of bitches running around kicking the crap out of demons or anything. Every time we see guards, they're either, like, upstanding but uninteresting, like an ocarina, or just complete bumbling assholes who have no idea what they're doing, like in Twilight Princess. Man, imagine if from Breath in the Wild, for the final boss fight, everyone you helped all throughout the world came and helped you out. So like a like in a Persona game or, well, lots of games do that. Mass Effect does that. Horizon does that. I just want to see a bunch of people in the field poking Ganon with a spear. <laughs> I would have been okay if just the dragons had shown up. You know, that would have been all right. Well, they don't care. They're dragons. The dragons have to fucking care when Ganon shows up. He tied one of them down to a mountain and stabbed them through with evil power. No, man, they're completely indifferent to mortal affairs. That's what I love about them. Okay, I guess that kind of makes sense. But Ganon's not really a mortal affair anymore. Anyway, I, I guess that's right. Yeah, it would have been fun if more people had shown up. Like, you've got... Uh, you, did you play Final Fantasy Four? No, I've only played Fifteen. Oh, that's a particular one to have played through. Well, there's a sequel... It's the only one available on PS4. That's well, actually, that's not true. That is not true at all. But it's the only one I've played. I bought Ten and Ten too. I haven't played them yet. Okay, well, there's a sequence in Final Fantasy Four. Uh, not anywhere close to the end of the game, where you end up fighting this titanic artificial warrior who's the size of a small country, basically. And 
you're trying to figure out a way to get inside of it so you can take it down because it's basically a, a big robot and you're like how are we possibly going to fight this thing and then the army of the dwarves shows up and their giant steam driven tanks and starts pelting it and i thought that was the coolest fucking thing back on the super nintendo like that was the raddest shit the dwarves show up and they're all rallying each other and shooting it with their tanks and basically i want the gorons to have shown up and thrown bombs at ganon out of like catapults yeah that would have been great oh that would have been sick (laughs) that would have been good but yeah the knights of hyrule they're complete suckers because we never see any of them while they're alive ergo they're all so much a punk that they all die (laughs) so after you get this message you jump out of bed not knowing whether the voice is part of a dream or reality. Upon leaving your bed, you find your uncle, who should be fast asleep at this time, preparing to go out, girded for battle. I'll be back by morning, he says as he departs. Don't leave the home. You watch him leave with the family sword in hand and shield and arm. This might is like no this knight is like no other. Who is Zelda? Like apparently doesn't know who the princess of Zelda is. <laughs> Where had your uncle gone and for what reason? And so, on an ill-fated night, a new chapter in the Legend of Hyrule's Hero begins. A new chapter in the Legend of Zelda. Okay, before we get into the rest of it, the framing of that last sentence is really interesting to me because it implies that Zelda's the hero of Hyrule. That is what it implies. Yeah, that's what it says. It says it right there. It's just plain as the nose on your face. The Legend of Hyrule's Hero. The Legend of Zelda. So either the Either the kid with the sword is named Zelda, or this story has a really, really bad sense of focus. Why don't they call it The Legend of Link? Uh, it doesn't sound very good in comparison. Why don't they call it The Legend of Ganon? Oh, that'd be pretty good. I would like that. But then you can't have any games that are about anyone but Ganon. I like how Link's uncle... Like, Link wakes up knowing, oh, was that even real? Was that just a dream? Link's uncle's like immediately suiting up, ready to go. And Link's uncle has seen some shit. He has got a story behind him that we never hear about because the first thing he does is fight a bunch of rats and get murdered by those rats. Let's talk a little bit about the composition of Hyrule in this game. Okay. So civilized centers. There's the castle. Uh-huh. Castle is bigger than the only town in the kingdom, Kakariko. Yep. And then there's one house, uh, not too far from the castle, with Link and Link's uncle. Okay. That's it. Well, I mean, you know, in the Super Nintendo, you dealt a lot with what you call representative space, right? Kakariko Village represents a space in which much more than just a dozen people live, I would think. I mean, I understand there are abstractions in all video games, even modern ones. Yeah. But... They kind of took a step back from Zelda 2, even. Oh, yeah. Where Hyrule seems less civilized, more wilderness. Yeah, that, that's very true. It's, it's a, it, I'm not necessarily going to call... It is definitely a smaller kingdom, come to think of it. Or rather, you're only moving through a much smaller part of it. Similar to how you did in the first game. This is the little kingdom. Well, I'm not sure if that quite applies, because... You know, in Zelda 1, we talked about how that area seems almost designed specifically to house the pieces of the Triforce. Yeah. But this is a place where people live. This is the kingdom. In a sense, yes, but it is still... I think you could still read it as being just a small part of it because the borders of the Hyrule that you explore are created more or less by lining up with where each of the temples are, where you get the pendants 
to pull the master sword. Right. So I think it's more that our adventure only takes us just so far out into Hyrule rather than that Hyrule is necessarily much smaller. Well, since the castle is right there in the center, could we at least say this is the capital province of Hyrule? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, it's not it's not some far-off borderland. This is the center of the kingdom. Yeah, and there's no Hyrule Castle town in this one. Nope. No, no, not at all. There's no Hyrule Castle town. One interesting thing about this that you brought up is that Link has no idea who the hell Zelda is. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? I mean, Link is canonically very dumb. He is. He always has been. He he is. A, I think he stopped being stupid for like one game, and that's pretty much it. But it also implies certain things about what people might know about the royal family, what the average citizen might know. Oh, you mean like like they're kind of uh, seclusionary because of Ganem? That's very possible, yeah. Uh, it could also be that Link lives out in the woods and never gets much news of the outside world. And his uncle he keeps... pretty close to the castle. I don't know what to tell you. His uncle plainly keeps stuff from him. I suppose so. It doesn't even go... Is that Zelda's his sister? Uh, don't do this! <laughs> I swear to God! So, okay, you go chasing after your uncle. Yeah. The guards are like, hey, hey, come on, everything's fine, don't worry about it. It's raining. You find a path into the sewers, and your uncle is lying there, bleeding to death. He says, Link, you must save the princess. Zelda, she is your dot dot dot. Die. What does that mean, Cam? It means that I had a lot of wrinkles to get through in the shipping arguments and that I had back in 1999 and 2000. Uh... I don't have any idea what that line is supposed to mean because I, I tend to do the thing where a translation stands on its own. We have an English canon that we can compare to the Japanese canon. In the Japanese canon, I don't think that line actually exists. Uh, I'm looking at the legends of localization.com dash QA dash link dash Zelda dash is dash your. Their basic translation is Link, you're the one person I didn't want to involve in this. I told you not to leave the house and yet t- take this sword and shield and go. Listen well. Hold the B button to fill the sword with power. <laughs> I love when Metal Gear does that thing. So good. Do so, and you should be able to use the secret sword only passed down in a certain clan. Link, if anyone can do it, you can. Rescue Princess Zelda. You are the princess's dot dot dot. God damn it. Yeah, so that, it's the same line! Looks, yeah. I would have thought that, like, you could fill it in only hope. That's fine. Or whatever. But, oh, oh so that ambiguity is on purpose i guess yeah oh uh, okay yeah that mm, sorry they can't be siblings i have a long-standing agreement with my wife my wife never to agree to that statement with regards to lincoln zelda and link to the past it can't happen i mean you think about the way he lives pretty close to the castle and now clearly he and his uncle have some sort of telepathic connection to her are you are you saying that link might be bastard yeah he might be the bastard son of the king or possibly the uh zelda's mother and his uncle is actually his father something like that the uncle is the king no and (laughs) the king in exile don't do this you are fucking you are fucking with me too hard don't do this and then so okay so then if the king is his uncle, then Zelda is his cousin. No, half-sister. 
Either way, depending whether Link is the bastard child of the king or the queen, that would make Zelda his half-sister. Listen, royalty is not above incest. No, they're not. I don't want to get into this, though. Hey, did, in the Breath of the Wild episode, did we talk about how it's plain that um, the king married into the royal family? Really? Yeah. I don't think we talked about that. Oh, I guess I must have come up with it later and planned to file that away for the inevitable come back around to talk about the DLC episode. But yeah, he, he pretty plainly married into the royal family. I, I guess that makes sense if the royal blood is primarily passed matrilineally. Yeah. But what what's your what are you referencing here? Uh, basically the fact that it's only the women of the family born into the family who have that particular power, right? Right. Well, Zelda's power is shared by her mother and her maternal grandmother. And the fact yeah. that her mother has it means that her mother was born into the family. Right. Which implies that the king comes from some other noble house. Okay, yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, that's it. I, 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 that's just something that I thought of. I thought maybe we had talked about it before. But uh, the way the rest of this story goes is also kind of interesting in its own way because it does some things that no other Zelda game does while doing other things that almost every Zelda game does in distressing ways. When you start off the game, you go into Hyrule Castle, right? And you have to fight your way up to it and get Zelda out because she calls on you for help. Mm -hmm. And she makes it clear to you that a Ghanim is mind-controlling the guards in the castle and they will murder you if you come in there. But at the same time, you have to fight your way past the guards. How else are you going to get to Zelda? So you're in this situation where this is the first game... And the only game for, like, 15 years after that where Link kills another human being. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about that. Oh, he murks the hell out of a lot of people for a bunny. Wait, so what's the next game that he does that? Uh, it's a little bit murkier, but it happens in Twilight Princess. Is it just Ganon? No, no, no. It's heavily implied in Twilight Princess uh, through various bits of dialogue, particularly with the bomb maker uh, when he and Ronaldo and the kids are hiding inside of the windmill, that a lot of the shadows wandering around Hyrule are humans of the light world who have been corrupted by the Twilight. Wow. Oh, yeah. Jeez. You always thought it was cool that when you first go outside, the guards are still friendly. And then you go back out, and they're attacking you. I was like, whoa, God, what are you doing? But I didn't... Yeah, you're killing humans! Yeah, you're killing humans! That's not a thing that happens in Zelda. Like, I, the closest thing I can think of outside of that is the Garo in Majora's Mask. But you don't kill them. They're defeated, and they go, well, death before dishonor, and blow themselves up. Wait, Wait, do you ever fight Gerudo in Ocarina of Majora's Mask? You sure do, and they retreat. Oh... They're like, oh, you're a tough guy. I'm getting the hell out of here, which is what... Maybe the guards just retreat, and it's a video game abstraction. They explode into little skull dust clouds. They are dead as hell. They threw down a smoke bomb. No, they're dead. They are dead as shit. You oh, shoot man. them with a silver arrow in the face, they ain't coming back. Jeez. Yeah. It's like... I thought it was bad when Link stabbed Ganon in the head, but this is way worse. Yeah, you're actually murdering people who are being mind-controlled by an evil wizard. Yeah, in the modern game, they do something like, you can only use non-lethal weapons, because they're not themselves. But you just murk them. Yeah, you murk the hell out of them. You just ice those fools like they ain't got nobody to go home to. 
it's just uh, interesting because it also plays into how you see Link, right? Because he, after he rescues Zelda, he's told that he has, he goes through a series of events where he goes out and meets with Saharas, Saharasala, Saharasala, piss on it. Sarah, his name's Sarah for the purpose of this conversation. You go and you meet with Sarah and you have this conversation where he sends you out and you got to collect all the pendants and get the master sword and you got to go into the dark world. And when you go to the dark world after defeating a Ghanim, I'm getting ahead of myself, you start off by murdering people. And it's plainly necessary for you to do this because if you don't, then something horrible will happen to the princess. And Link, working off of very limited information, decides that it's more important to save this girl that he doesn't know who's being held against her will than it is to treat the lives of the guards as being inviolate. Which, you know, you can make an argument for that. But it implies a certain hardness of his character, right? It's like the ability to kill people has to mean that there's a certain killer's instinct in him or something that's what it would seem like on the surface right do you think he had previous training no i don't you think it's just the blood of the knights no not even that i think uh, we'll come back to this so after he rescues zelda he escapes under hyrule castle and takes her to the sanctuary which is where the official art depicts the hanging of jesus Mm-hmm. And he leaves Zelda there in a church, assuming that she will be safe. The first of many times this series would portray that particular mistake. And goes off to meet with the sage Sarah. And Sarah tells him to defeat the wizard Aganim, you will need a special sword. And to get this sword, you are going to need to collect the three pendants from the three temples that are littered throughout Hyrule. And Link wa- runs around and he gets all the pendants from all the temples and he gathers up magic items and I think somewhere in here he gets the Book of Medora and the Pegasus Boots. You gotta get the so, pe- why does Shalashaska believe the Master Sword is necessary to defeat Aghanim? I don't think that that's ever actually gone into but it's implied that I mean, I, I say implied it's not actively implied but you can sort of infer that Sarah knows that Aghanim's power is related to Ganon. He is the sage, the wise man, who knows more or less what's going on better than anyone else does. And he never seems to have any questions about any of it. And he has the same psychic powers that Zelda has as an effect of his magic. So he can talk to you while you're in all the different temples. Do you think Saudi Arabia is even mortal, or is he like a ghost messenger of the gods? I think that he is completely mortal. He's just... A powerful wizard, the kind that they might have relied on to fix the problems that Aghanim was causing before Aghanim showed up. Makes sense. So, Link gets the Master Sword and fights his way back through Hyrule Castle, killing like 50 more guys on the way up. It's just horrible. And he gets to the top and he uses the Master Sword to cut through the magic barrier sealing him off. And he arrives just in time to see Aghanim send Zelda through... The barrier between worlds. And he fights Aghanim and kills him. Oh, man. Yeah, it's dark. They don't tell you immediately that it's the barrier between worlds. You just see Zelda disappear. It's like, holy shit, he killed Zelda. Yeah, I think the specific thing he says, it's been a couple of years, but I think the specific thing he says is that in another moment, the princess will be no more. And then he zaps her away. 
Yeah, you could very well assume that he killed her. I would also assume that in Link's situation. And then Link fights a Ganem and uses the Master Sword to reflect his magic, which I think is the first time this appears in the series, using the sword for the back-and-forth tennis match thing. And he kills a Ganem, and with the last of his power, a Ganem drags Link into the Dark World, which is the corrupted Golden Land. Now, the Dark World is interesting because there's lots of people in it. The Seal of the Wise Men in Link to the Past actually has a lot of holes in it that people tend to fall through from time to time. Yeah. And when Link falls through it, this hard badass who's beaten the evil wizard and has killed dozens of people in the name of justice turns into a pink bunny. That's a lot less badass than the wolf. Yeah, it is. Because inside, way deep down, this version of Link doesn't want to hurt anybody. Hell, on his own, he can't hurt anybody. He would never pick up a sword on his own, except to some greater purpose. Which implies to me that his fight against the guards is merely because he sees it as right, rather than simply because he sees it as necessary. And it's sort of an interesting thing, I think, just having this character dynamic where Link is a little pink bunny. We haven't talked about Link's design in this game, have we? You mean his pink hair? Yeah, his pink hair. Doesn't he have dark skin? Yeah, his skin is kind of darker than the concept art would suggest. Yeah, that's about what I figured. And it's like, on some level you want to go, oh, that's just because of the color palette, or oh, he's going through the punk phase that was very common in the early 90s. No, 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 no. Link in this game was a big fan of Magical Night Ray Earth, and that's what he styled himself on, and that's it. That's his whole deal. He just really likes shoujo manga. Didn't Link have green eyebrows in the first game? Yes. Yeah, I think that... Oh, God, did he have green eyebrows? I don't think yeah, he... most definitely. Or was that just his hat? No, there's there's two little dots above his brown eye dots that are green. Oh, and it, like he dyes his eyebrows to match his outfit whenever he gets a new tunic? Yeah, he he dyes his eyebrows, but not his hair, unless you want to interpret his hat as his hair, which is partially dyed green. Okay, that can work. I, I can get behind this. So Link has always been a punk. Link's been... A- I I I want to say that Link's almost always been like a real big fan of magical girls. Makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean he's a bunny at heart. Why would he be a punk? I guess punks can be bunnies too. Cute little pink bun. Yeah, he's just a little bun bun. He's a good he's a good little fella, and he don't want to hurt nobody, but he does it. So he has to go through a lot of bullshit after he gets to the Dark World. Yeah, he finds out that basically the power of the Seven Wise Men still exists. In the form of the blood that they have passed down to their descendants, the Maidens, including Zelda herself. And basically this means that the Maidens will end up being used as sacrifices to break down the barrier between the worlds, let Ganon get out into the world of light, and basically rule the universe. None of this really makes any sense, huh? Uh, Like, why are there seven specific descendants? I don't know what to tell you. It's Over centuries. It's, it, it, well, when you put it that way, it sounds stupid. Oh, wait, isn't, isn't um, Sylvester Stallone also a descendant of the wise men? Okay, lay that one out for me. I think he is referred to as such. Where is this? 
I am indeed Salahasrala, the village elder and a descendant of the seven wise men. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I didn't realize you were doing a thing with his name. I thought when you said Sylvester Stallone, I was like, what the hell is she referring to that I'm missing here? The Shalashaska. Okay, yeah. Well, Shalashaska, yeah, he seems to be descended from one of the seven wise men, which implies that one of the maidens is descended from him, but why wouldn't they just capture Shalashaska? He's old. They could take him. A Gotham could definitely take him. He's yeah, still- this is why none of this... No- nothing to do with sages ever makes sense. Ah. Uh, it gets a little bit better as the game goes on, partially because they drop the idea of the sages. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was an important turning point for how the lore of this series worked. But uh also, why aren't some of the sages Gorons or Zora? Um and does that imply that Gorons and Zora can breed with humans? Can I just uh could, mm, mm, uh, uh I, I'm going to have to fall back on my... We're going to look at this game as its own thing for right now. That's what we're going Furthermore, to... Furthermore... Oh, no. The Zora Queen is in this game, right? Yeah. And she is intelligent. Oh, 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 wait. I thought it was a Zora King. I, I think it's a queen. Okay. Well, while you look that up, that actually reminds me that Twilight Princess actually introduced an element that made the sages make much more sense in Ocarina of Time. And what is that? the sages who were alive in Twilight Princess and that those sages lived roughly during the equivalent time of Ocarina of Time, right? Because Ganon was defeated at roughly parallel times in both timelines. Yes. Which implies to me that the sages of Twilight Princess were alive early on in Ocarina of Time and sometime during the adult timeline Gandorf killed them. Okay. Which would allow for their power to pass on to others. And they seem to be a different set of sages. Yes, but those same sages, when killed, would still have their power pass on if we accept the idea that the sages must exist in the same way that the hero and the goddess and the monster must exist. And in the case of Ocarina of Time and Twilight Princess, that seems to be true. Like, I could see the Sage of Fire passing on their particular power to Darunia, or that power transferring to Darunia because he had the specific qualities in himself that made him most suited to that power, even if he didn't know it. But then what about Raru? Well, that's a tough question. Shut up! I don't know. I don't know. How do you feel about the idea that the Water Sage was killed, so then Ruto could take his place and then be referred to as a sage in Breath of the Wild in the child timeline. Huh. You know, that might, that could, that could theoretically work. They definitely planned that ahead. No, oh, yeah, we're, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, it was a Zora King Link to the Past. It was a queen in between worlds. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Now, there was a fairy queen, and she was horrible. That was a horrible thing they did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what's hilarious? Fat people. <laughs> Ah, uh, it was during that particular time in uh, Nintendo's uh, portrayal of people in general where being large also meant that you looked like a horrible demon toad. Yeah. Yeah. And then so, when you break the curse, she gets super hot. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's it. So why are why are the Zora bad in this game? 
Um, I'm going to say they're probably not so much... Oh, God. Okay. Real answer, because they hadn't come up with the idea of using Zora as, like, an NPC race. Um, non Like, taking into consideration the rest of it, I'm going to assume something to do with a Ghanim fucking with the environment and them deciding that the Hylians have messed around with shit too much. But then they're good and like between worlds i think the queen is even one of the sages yes she absolutely is and again i'm going to blame that on aganim but then okay aganim a wizard did it a wizard literally did it so are the river zora a different species from the ocean zora god alive help me jesus um no i'm gonna go with no this old this will play later on in our discussion of crystal's greater theorem of a sexless hyrule but right now i'm going to say no they're the same species they're just portrayed differently between the two games so where were we i think we were talking about link getting becoming a bunny right yeah and then he's got to rescue all the girls because they have the power of the sages inside of them and agonim's going to use them as a sacrifice to break the seal of the wise men well not Aghanim. Aghanim's fucking dead. But uh, Ganon is going to use it. Aghanim was Ganon. I forgot that part. I forgot to mention. Or, mm, he was a there's sh- some controversy over that. Who? As to whether he is literally Ganon, or an agent of Ganon, or a specter of Ganon. Doesn't his corpse turn into a big bat that busts through the Pyramid of Power? Something like that. And it's basically Ganon. Right, he's definitely... An agent of Ganon, yeah. no matter what. It's just not clear if he is literally Ganon. Okay. Well, you've done a better... Like, the question itself does more to explain the situation than I could in a decent amount of time. But through all of that, Link has to go around and kill all these much more difficult monsters to free the maidens. And where does he? where do they go when Link rescues them in this game? Don't they go to the sanctuary? I don't think they do. I could be wrong. Maybe I just never went back into the sanctuary in the four or five times I played this game, but I think they just sort of disappear. Maybe. Because it's like in, in later games, they go to a concrete place. But in this game, it's like, oh, do they just hang around in the Dark World temples? What did I solve? Maybe they turn into ghosts. That's that's also a theory some people have posited. Uh, is that the maidens were indeed killed, but their spirits remain. Is this is this like the Ocarina of Time theory where death is necessary to awaken the power of the sage? Oh, yeah. You've ne- yeah the sages are dead there, too. Yeah, you know that one. Because there's a couple of them where you look at it and you go, oh, yeah, that probably happened. Like with Darunia going into fight Volvagia, and then you go in and Darunia is not there. It's like, oh, well, I wonder what happened to him. And then the equivalent of the sages in Breath of the Wild are also dead. Yep. Seems that dying is an essential part of filling that archetype. Well, not so much. And then the sages in Twilight Princess are like ghostly specters. Yeah. They're... This seems to be a common theme. I think the sages in Twilight Princess are Hylians putting on airs. Big airs. I don't know. Yeah, super. Because they also live for centuries, apparently. Uh, you'd be surprised what you can do when you put on enough airs. That's true. People in Breath of the Wild live a long time. They do. It's like you can be a hundred easy. Um... So you go through, you gather up all the maidens, and you you break the curse on the fairy queen, so she stops being fat, and she's like, oh, that's good of you. Here, take these silver arrows, and use the silver arrows to kill Ganon. And I'm like, oh, that's a callback to the first game, even though I'm carrying a sword which should allow me to kill Ganon. 
Oh, well, I always liked the silver arrows. They should bring those back. Should they? What if the Master Sword was an arrow fired from a big bow? It would be a... I I guess I'd be like a ballast? I don't know. You're killing me here. So it would basically be a big silver arrow, I guess. So Link kills Ganon. He kills Ganon. And he goes... In straight-up one-on-one combat, even though he has the whole Triforce. Because he's wielding the Master Sword, which in this game has been established to specifically combat the powers of the Triforce so they can fight on equal footing. It's never that strong anywhere else. No, it absolutely is not. Not even when it's freshly forged. Nope. In fact, in that game, Link has the whole Triforce. And it's still a tough fight. Yep. Oh, we'll get to that when we get to it, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so he does battle with Ganon, and we assume that the magic's... That the Master Sword negates the power of the Triforce, otherwise the whole thing doesn't make any sense. And he kills Ganon, and Ganon is dead forever. I'm pretty sure they specifically say the Triforce itself, the engine of the gods that is capable of changing the universe, tells you that you have slain Ganon basically for all time. Well, that wouldn't even make sense, because he shows up in the sequel. Or the, Yeah, yeah, I know. I, but I'm pretty so sure. Does that imply that it's a different Ganon? No, I think it implies that the Triforce is wrong. The Triforce is fallible. Apparently, I mean it's an inanimate object. What the hell does it know? So Link kills Ganon and leaves him a pile of ashes on the ground, as is the way of things. But Ganon also explodes into like blood and shit in this one. It's very violent. And Link goes through to the chamber where the Triforce rests, and the Triforce, which is plainly intelligent and has been checking out Link's adventures the whole time. Tell them, Link, you did a good job. That was a good thing you did. And now you're going to wish on me and everything will be all right because you're a good person where Ganon was an asshole. And you being a good person means that the wishes you make will make the world better. So now make your wish. And this is where some of the most beautiful music you ever fucking heard plays. And Link wishes on the Triforce. And I swear to God, it's like the whole game never happened. Yeah, it's fine that he killed all those people. Because they're back. They're back, and they're better than ever. And the king is alive, and the girls are all back, and they're not dead. And Zelda's like, oh, I, I guess I don't get to rule the kingdom now, because my dad's still alive. Hey, Cameron? Yeah? How do you feel about the old theory that when Link undid all of Ganon's evil actions, he in fact turned time back to before the imprisoning war? What? That That is theory I've heard floated. Holy hell. No, so I, that would make that whole branch of the timeline a stable loop. I don't like using the word stable loop around my Zelda games. It's very bad. It's a bad word. And then Zelda 1 can be a sequel to Twilight Princess. No. Oh, hold on. Now it's getting interesting again. Huh. Okay. You know what? This timeline theory has moxie. I like it. That's all right. I don't think it makes too much sense, but I like it. Sure. <laughs> that, that's all right. That's that's good. I like that. That's uh, We should have more timeline. Th- timeline theories have gotten a lot less common after they put out the Hyrule Historia, but I wish they were still around because they were always fun to read. Or wait, you, you know, if it just turns back, not even time, but the state of the world back to before the events of this game then it's like a stable time loop that can create a link between worlds. I suppose so. Um, I, I, I prefer to think that he just literally brought everyone back from the dead and can, like 
took all the denizens of the dark world and brought them into the light world and gave them human shapes and oh god he brought so many people back from the dead it is he changes the universe on a scale that is completely unheard of in the entire rest of the series basically put together yeah does anything like this ever happen no he destroys and recreates entire realities with a wish he undoes death it's ins- his uncle comes back the first it, person who dies comes back is the only other triforce wish in wind waker or in, i guess ocarina too uh, skyward sword all oh, right it's like can you kill the devil yeah i can do that but it's uh yeah it's that i always thought like oh god i can't believe i'm admitting this every time people talk about how powerful the triforce is i would always refer back to link to the past it's like oh you know kratos would kick link's ass like what are you talking about what kind of link we talk about composite link does link have the triforce what does that matter oh it matters because he could just like wish you dead i mean kratos has killed lots of gods yeah but he's also died a bunch of times but he always comes back which makes him so hard to defeat you gotta understand kratos (laughs) he's very mad yeah he is a very angry man he's an angry man he has a son now but he's still very mad yeah. He's trying to be a good dad, but he can't because he's so mad. But now he's like sad mad. That's different. No, he's still just pretty mad. Just one might even say emotionally abusive. Yeah, I suppose you probably could. It's hard to be a dad when you're just this completely evil murderer. Because he is a complete yeah, evil murderer. It's, it's hard to be a dad when you have the ashes of your previous dead children and wife permanently branded on your skin you know i played the psp game um the first one i think it was chains of olympus i think that was the name of it but in the end of that game spoiler alert for a 10 year old vita uh, the psp game uh you end up in elysium and he finds his daughter calliope there and he has the choice where he can stay in Elysium with his daughter forever or complete his mission. And I'm going to leave out the rest of the framing because I don't want to give the game the satisfaction of making it sound like a balanced choice. It's better done than I'm making it sound, but not by a whole lot. And there's this long period of time where it's like, ah, I'm done now. I have my daughter back. This is literally all I wanted. I don't want anything else. And it's like, ah... Everybody gets their happy ending, but then you remember this is a prequel game. And then Kratos goes and, like, he, he, in order to get into Elysium, he has to cast off all of his sins and his pain, and he throws away the Blades of Chaos, and he washes the ashes of his family off of himself, and he even loses, like, the red markings on his body. So he just looks like a regular guy. Oh, man. Yeah, it was very weird. He, he actually looks really cool that way. And he's being with his daughter, and he doesn't have the power to affect change anymore. And then the bad guy's like, ha ha, I tricked you into giving up all of your torment. Now everything will be even worse for everyone except for you and Calliope. And he's like, oh. And then he goes around, and I shit you not, murders everyone in the fields of Elysium to get the sin back into himself so he can fight the bad guy. Oh my god. I think there was a Punisher comic like that where there's some kind... I don't remember the details, but some wizard is like, yo, I'll just bring back your family. And then they're back, but the Punisher's like, I'm too much of a monster. They can't see me like this. 
and then he kills them. Oh, no! <laughs> See, Link wouldn't have this problem. Link would be like, alright, that's fine. Alright, glad everything worked out, guys. Let's go. But yeah, that's, that's, that's the only thing about this game that really weirds me out. Because I didn't think about it until a few weeks ago. But you do totally ice a lot of humans in it. It's fine. He knew he would get the Triforce. He did not know that. But he, he was read still the manual. But he was still a bunny inside. He was still a bunny, even while he was murdering all these people. Okay, how about this? What if he's a bunny, not because he's secretly gentle and only takes up the sword oh, no. to courageously rescue the princess, oh, but no. because he's a serial killer? Is that what bunnies are? Yeah, he he just... This is all fun and games to him. Oh. Oh. He's Isis people completely cold blood, doesn't feel bad even a little bit. So you're saying that the dark world represents how you see yourself? That sort of implies... What else does it represent? I think the idea is that it shows you as you really are. Right. Do you think... That's what he really is. A bunny. Bunnies aren't usually mass murderers. Wouldn't he be... A human? Hold on. What was the Monty Python joke with the killer rabbit? Oh, I'm glad that this is where... Tonight's Husseini! No, stop it. God damn you. It's oh. just a flesh wound. I'm going back to playing Cookie Clicker. I fart in your general direction. If you don't stop this, I swear to God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you don't like my random South Park humor. Oh, good. Holy freaking crap, Lois. No, <laughs> this is the worst bit you've ever done. Anyway, uh, that's an interesting game just because of how it sets up so much of the rest of the games. Not just in terms of its lore, though almost all the games have been drawing on Link to the Past ever since in different ways, but because the structure of it informed 20 years, or 25 years, of how Zelda works. Yeah, this is in some ways the first true Zelda game. Yeah, it's like, you can say that modern Zelda, in a sense, started with Ocarina of Time, but Zelda, as a series of events that you play through definitely finds its genesis on the Super Nintendo. I mean, this game was the blueprint for Link's Awakening, uh, Oracle of Ages, Oracle of Seasons, The Minish Cap, Four Swords, Four Swords Adventures. There are, pe- four... there are people Sorry, There are people who argue, and I think rightly, that Ocarina of Time, in a sense, is just a 3D remake of Link to the Past. Yeah, it has very similar structure. It's even got similar environments that you go through. Some similar story. Yeah, it does. It's kind of like Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake and Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. Yeah. So would you say that Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake is the real beginning of the Metal Gear franchise? No, that's Metal Gear. Oh, okay. But Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake was the first one where they wrote extensive dialogue. Okay, so in a sense, it's the beginning of modern Metal Gear. Well, no, that'd be Metal Gear Solid. Okay, so it would it be fair to compare it to Link to the Past? In terms of how it shaped the games going forward. Well, no, because no one played it. It was only <laughs> Japan. Okay, that's fair. Okay, never mind. It, there's not really a good one-to-one comparison. Well, Link to the Past ended up shaping a lot of shit. And people are still trying to get out from under this expectation that the next Zelda game should be the next Link to the Past. Which is how we end up with a game like Link Between Worlds. Yeah, that game it really is Link to the Past, huh? It's just Link to the Past all over again. I kind of didn't like how eager to please with fan service it was. Oh, I think that particular bit 
will be worth visiting a lot in the future. Because the, the Link Between Worlds episode could be very interesting, I think. Is Low Rule the Dark World? How goddamn dare you? Is, I mean, is it? Uh, what is the... You want to talk about the one part of Zelda lore that makes the least sense to me? It's Low Rules Triforce. Oh, why? It doesn't make any sense. How do you destroy the Triforce? Why is it an opposite Triforce? Does it imply that it's part of a completely opposite cosmology? How can our Triforce recreate another Triforce? Is Low Rule the Dark World? How did the Dark World create its own Triforce? Is their Triforce just like an empty gap that was filled in by shadow and people think that it's everything? But like, if it was just empty shadow, why does the world start to go to shit when it breaks? Would that happen to this world if the Triforce went away? What happened in the adult timeline after Wind Waker when the Triforce plainly just leaves and isn't affecting the Earth anymore? Does that world start to go to shit? Hmm creates a lot more questions than answers and it's stupid and i don't like it on a lower level yeah i didn't think about the wind waker thing yeah and then but, everybody made trains but that was in, that was in a different land so the triforce is not even relevant there it's no more relevant than it is in termina i hmm i but hmm. there are still people in the great sea on top of ye old hyrule true huh so do you do you see th- it's plain in Link to the Past that the Triforce is capable of recreating or destroying an entire universe, basically. Or a world, if you prefer. And, and in this game, Ganon got the Triforce centuries ago, so it's gone, but the kingdom was still doing pretty okay. Yeah, it was fine. Does that imply that the Dark World and the Light World are linked? That they sort of... Oh god, I used linked... Uh, that they sort of occupy parallel spaces? Well, yeah, literally, within the game code. Yeah, uh, okay, but if in Link Between Worlds, losing the Triforce means that the world falls apart, how does Hyrule exist while the Triforce is in the Sacred Realm? Well, I mean, it's not destroyed, it's just somewhere else. Yeah, you think that's the big difference? so yeah, in Wind Waker, it would be buried under the sea, but it's still there. Okay, but if that's the case, then why is it that the Triforce's power changes the Dark World, but it doesn't change the Light World, if its power is still affecting the Light World enough to keep it from unraveling? I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know either. Anyway, that part of the lore is very, very, very worth talking about when we get to that episode. Is there anything else we have to talk about for the Triforce of the Gods? Uh, let me think. Um, Link has never taken the sacrament. Okay, that's fair. There's that, nothing to support that. That's all I've got. I, it is interesting how, we talked about this a little before, but this game introduces divinity to the series, something that is important in pretty much every other entry. Yeah. It, yeah, that's very true. It It changes the way that the universe works. The cosmology of the series takes a definite upturn towards the more fantastical and we know that the triforce was a supercomputer made by aliens from a distant nebula uh, yeah i suppose so and the english canon that apparently happened because it is it can't talk huh you know the gods do commonly make intelligences that read to less civilized people or less people's less advanced than the gods like you and i may read the intelligent creations of the gods as being computer-like. 
And I mean, the Master Sword is a gynoid. Yes, or at least as well as we can understand it. So the closer we get to the gods, the more robotic everything gets. So why wouldn't the Triforce be a robot? Well, what I'm saying... What I'm saying is, our understanding of things become robotic because that's the easiest slot by which we can understand divinity. Because we see, somehow, this idea of artificial life as being beyond ourselves simply because we cannot make it. It's much the same way that the Sheikah were thought of as possessing the power of the gods because they could make robots in Breath of the Wild. Yeah, the gods really are associated with robots a lot. They really are. Well, I think that it may just be that in Zelda there's no real um, difference drawn between one artificial state of life versus another artificial state of life. So Phi would be very similar to any other machine intelligence, even though she's plainly made by the gods, or by the one god. They're never really treated as artificial. They're just another form of folks. Which ones are we talking about? Like the ancient robots in Skyward Sword. They're just part of the five races of the surface. That's true. Well, I mean, people themselves are artificial if you accept that the god of courage created them. That's true. So it's more like the delineation that we create between artificial life versus non-artificial life is fairly meaningless. Wow. Yeah. You tell this to David Cage. It's very deep. I don't know if David Cage could handle this shit. He might start, like, shoveling people tagging the Triforce all over Detroit. Oh, God, that case. I suppose that's all we have to say about The Legend of Zelda. Breath of... Not Breath of the Wild. It's close. Triforce of the Gods. That's all we have to say about The Legend of Zelda, Triforce of the Gods. Is that right, Cameron? Yes. And be sure to join us next time for our special Mario episode, wherein we will spend 18 hours outlining the plots of every mainline Mario game and explaining how they all connect to each other. That's it. That's it. Do you want to give, <laughs> you want to give any plugs? No. Why would we plug anything? God. The last thing. Do you we... want to give out our email? Oh. Well, have we gotten any emails yet? No? Okay, yeah. We should give it out until people send emails. If you want to send an email to this podcast, you can send it to bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me <laughs> at Arcane Crystal. You should leave me alone. But if you want to follow me, you can follow me at Cam Writer on Twitter. What did Link call his bathrobe after he tinkled it? Oh, fuck. I don't know what. A whiz robe. Oh!